What's up, Lamb Fam? Welcome back to the Life After Miscarriage podcast, where we unapologetically chat the ins and outs of what life is actually like after miscarriage. I'm your host, Shelly Metling, and with four angel babies myself and one rainbow baby here on earth, I have created a platform for you guys to share your stories. So sit back, relax, get ready to relate, laugh, and cry as we get real on what life is actually like after miscarriage in the 21st century. Hello, everyone. We have Betty Nicole on today's episode. I'm so excited just to get to know a little bit more about her and her story. And Betty, I'm just going to toss it at you. Start wherever you like. Hi. So I am excited to be on here as well. Um, And I'm also excited to share uh, my sweet girl story. So um, I delivered a, a little girl, Bailey Nicole. Her birthday was actually February 24th, 2015, which is two days before my birthday. And at the time that I found out that I was pregnant with her, it was I was at a really low place in my life. So um, I was going through a lot of things in my marriage and it was just a whole lot. And, you know, I know that for a fact that she was a gift. And so you know, on days where I felt like really lonely and different things like that. Um, I always had her. Now, I had three other children that were, that were much older. And if your kids are like mine, and you know that they're kind of like always on their phones and they're kind of like off doing their own thing. But um, Bailey, on the other hand, she was just, you know, um, she was just truly a gift. And um, she lived for four months and two days. And unexpectedly she just passed away in her sleep and I remember that morning so vividly just getting up and I was actually preparing for an interview and it was storming like really bad like that night that I actually laid her in her crib into the morning and um I just remember thinking like something isn't right and I knew that she slept throughout the night. I knew that was something that she did anyway. Um, she, she really was not a fussy girl. She never really had given me any problems, never had had any health issues or anything. And when you laid her down to sleep, like she slept, like she was that kind of girl. And, um, but, but again, this morning, something just didn't feel right. So as I was preparing to find something to wear to this interview and even contemplating if I was actually going to get out there and drive because of the weather, I was led to just go and, um, you know, check on her. So as I walked over to the crib, it was like, I felt this dread. And I, I, you know, looking back, I know that that was some form of preparation that the Lord had given me. But as I walked over to her crib, Um, I kind of just reached in and like rubbed her back and I just would never forget the feeling. It was almost as if I had touched this freezing cold, like concrete slab. She was just brick hard. And in my mind, I'm thinking like, oh no, you know, so I rubbed her leg. And then at that moment, I, I knew that what I was feeling was real. And I just jetted out of the room. And I just remember running and screaming and yelling for my husband, who was downstairs. I was like, Darius, come up here, just yelling and yelling and yelling. And from that moment, um, 
you never know what you're going to do in the in moments when things like that happen because i immediately grabbed my phone and called my mom you would think i would have called like 911 or like call for help but my my first thought was to call for my mom because honestly you know i know that i didn't really know what to do in that moment but i knew that she would know she would know it was really weird but when i called her she didn't pick up so i ended up calling 911 and then um my mom called me back while i was on the phone with the dispatcher i ended up talking to my mom and the dispatcher ended up calling me back so to make a long story uh, short they ended up coming out and they were before actually making it there they were asking my husband to do compressions and stuff and you know I just remember him screaming like she's gone she's gone and although he did do what he was instructed um in his heart he knew and you know I was like intentional about staying away from her and I think that was my way of protecting myself and also God's way of protecting me because even as I look back Usually when I, I go to the crib or whenever I picked Bailey up from naps, my first instinct would be to check on her. I would just pick her up. Even if I knew she was sleeping, you know, I would just pick her up and just hold her and then maybe lay her back down. But this particular day, for some reason, I didn't do that. And I believe, again, in just in retrospect, looking back, those were all small ways that the Lord was protecting me because he knew that that me probably actually reaching to grab her would have been too much for me. And my husband, on the other hand, he was able to handle it. He was able to to pick her up and, and go through the necessary procedures. But for me, I couldn't. And um, I just remember my children crying and my, my house being flooded in with police and detectives and all of these things and at one point my daughter said is God really real is he really real like is he really up there and I think it had baffled her because we grew up you know I was um, just a Christian I was raising them to be Christian I hadn't always been Christian but for the years um for the last maybe seven years we were and so we we knew the power of prayer we knew the principle of this is what you do when you're in trouble this is what you do in life we knew that principle and we understood it but this morning in these moments it wouldn't work and i just remember saying lord no 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 you can't do this no 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 i i just kept saying no like no lord you're not gonna do this and it was my way of just trying to rationalize, to try to reconcile serving a God that's good with the reality of death and the reality of unexpected moments like that one and the reality of despair and the hopelessness that I felt in those moments. And I don't think I've ever felt, I've, I've walked through tough things. I, I've never known my father when it was time for me to meet him, he passed away. I've, you know, grew up in a home where my father was, my stepfather was alcoholic. He was verbally abusive to my mom and to my siblings. I grew up around things. I've saw people endure tough things, but nothing can compare to that moment and in that day, because I felt as if I was in a bubble or that I was like living a, 
someone else's life. And I kept pinching myself as I sat there and discussed what happened repetitively, repetitively with the detective. I kept thinking, is this really my life? Like, did I really lay her down? They kept saying, well, she, did she show symptoms? Did she, was there something that you knew that could have let you know? And I couldn't think of anything. She had never had a cold. She had never um, been into the hospital for an ear infection. She's never been congested. You know, the only issue I knew that she had was her milk in the early stages. And we switched that out and things got a little better as far as her being constipated. But as far as her showing any signs and symptoms of her impending, you know, leaving us, there was no sign. And I think that was more destructive to my faith than anything because, you know, you read things, you read scripture and it talks about warning comes before destruction. Or, or, and, you know, you read on things where things you read on circumstances that occurred in people's life where they were semi-ready or where they were semi-warned or where they felt some type of something. And like I said that morning, I definitely had dread, but it wasn't, it wasn't like death. It wasn't that. It was just something isn't right. So like I said, in those moments, I don't think I've ever felt hopelessness as I felt that morning. And I just remember, kept thinking, Lord, you're going to give her back. You're going to give her back. You're going to give her back. And ironically, there's this story um, that is circulating that I saw on Instagram from a young lady, from a young girl who passed away. And I know that the church is like believing for her to come back alive and believing for her resurrection. And they're likening it to Lazarus. And if you, if you uh Christian, you know that story. But um, you know, a lot of people are kind of condemning them for that. And in a lot of ways, I get it. But then I think that, you know, Lord brought it back to my memory when I laid in bed that that first day, that first night, then the night after that. And even just the moments waiting to hear from the coroner, just waiting to hear what had went wrong. Because when they took Bailey away, they told us this happened early in the morning, around seven-ish. They told us around five, five o'clock, around six, we should hear something back and we, they would further understand what happened. And I remember just sitting on the floor, you know, cracking jokes in one moment, crying hysterically in other moments, you know, um, hugging people with a smile on my face saying, you know, I'm gonna be all right. And then the next moment, wondering like how I was gonna make it, all of these emotions, that were leading back to um, me waiting on that call. And in my mind, I kept thinking, Lord, did I do anything wrong? Should I held her longer? Should I have not given her her nightly feed? You know, all these things were replaying in my mind because I just kept trying to make sense of things. And if when you're human, every human likes control. We like control. We like to control things. We like to understand things. We like to reconcile the why with what happened. And when we can't do that, that brings more confusion. That brings more grief. That brings more heartache to us than we really realize. If, if, there, was a, if there is a reason why this happened and we can understand it from point A to some point B, a lot of times 
we get through it a lot easier. But when you're talking about laying a completely healthy child down in a crib and then going to get her in the next morning and she is completely gone, that does something to your faith. That does something to your rationale. That does something to your understanding on life and death. And so, as I said, I remember those just leading up to those hours. And finally, we got the call. Our house was filled with people. Field, I mean, cars up the street, neighbors had ordered Ravinelli's, people were eating, like it was just, and all I kept thinking was, Lord, I don't think I'm ready. I don't think I'm ready. I'm ready, but I'm not ready. I want to hear what they're going to say, but I don't want to hear it. Because if it's something that I could have remotely did different, if there's something that I could have changed in any instance, I don't know how I'm going to get past this. And I remember just going upstairs and shutting the door behind us. And I sat on the bed and my husband picked up the phone and he said, well, my ex-husband, but he picked up the phone and he said, um, you know, hello. And, and, and the young detective on the other line was giddy. I just remember her voice being giddy, but then also being sorrowful. And she said, Betty. And I said, yes, this is she. She said, you know, we're calling with the results as we said we would. And she said, we have Bailey here. And when she said we have Bailey here, you know, I was thinking she was going to say, and she's, she woke up, she's alive. And, you know, God just breathed life into her. But instead she said, we have Bailey here. And she said, they just finished the autopsy. They just finished um, everything. And she said, I want to tell you this. And, and I mean, I braced myself like, Lord, she said, you did a really, really good job with her. You did a really good job with her. She was clean. She was well taken care of. And even when the pathologist went to, to make his incision, he said in his report, this family took really good care of this child. And in my heart, you know, tears just begin to flow from my from my eyes and just in my heart because I said Lord here it is a a young girl a young my sweet girl who's deceased and he was able to look beyond her stiff cold body and, and how she is and and see love and see the care that I had for her and that those words meant more to me than anything because when you lose a child, when you lose an infant, especially to see it, the first thing that, that police are inclined to do is interrogate you, which is understandable because there's a lot of wicked things going on in this world. But they, they interrogate you and they give you all of these uh, questions and all of these scenarios trying to exit you these questions in different ways because they're trying to pinpoint something in you to see if you did something wrong and for them to have seen that no she didn't do anything wrong and like you know um she obviously loved this baby because this baby was clean and she was well taken care of her nails were intact the autopsy report even mentioned her hair and how she had a just how well her scalp was taken care all of these things and then she went on to say after those words she said we couldn't find anything wrong she said we swabbed her and those swab reports won't come back for a few months but we checked for any sign of, of, of 
any fluid in her lungs, anything that would have prohibited her from breathing, any respiratory issues. We checked for all of that. And she said, we found nothing. We found absolutely nothing. And, you know, we will get back with you in a few months, but we want to let you know we're sorry and that, um, you know, we'll be thinking of you. And I remember that call ending and I felt such a relief. It's so weird because after she said that, and then she said, okay, we found nothing. I, in that moment, I had a relief. I, I, I breathed a sigh of release, of relief. But then when we went downstairs and the house was quiet because everyone was waiting to see what we said, as soon as I hit those stairs and I turned the corner and headed towards our kitchen, because when you come downstairs, it's our living room, it's our kitchen. I went and sat down and it was like, you can hear a pin drop. And I said, they don't know, like they don't know what's wrong. And I just burst out crying. My husband burst out crying and everyone in the house just seemingly started crying. And I said, she did insinuate that they believe it's SIDS. And I just said, they, they think it's SIDS. And, you know, I was just crying, but it's so weird. The emotions that you experience in those moments, because you find peace in certain things, but then that peace is stolen away by the reality of, what is real and what you are going to have to walk through and what you're going to have to face. And, you know, you never, you never want to be that person. Sorry to interrupt today's episode, but we are blessed enough to have a brand sponsoring us today that I personally highly recommend, and that is Fairhaven Health. Many of you have probably seen my YouTube video reviewing their baby dance fertility-friendly lubricant, but let's talk a bit about them as a company in whole. As a trusted leader in reproductive health, Fairhaven Health's natural products are developed and formulated in partnership with trusted medical experts, including doctors, OBGYNs, nutritionists, and naturopaths. From top fertility supplements for both men and women, FH Pro and Fertilade, to Isolove Isotonic Vaginal Health Gels and Fertility Friendly Lubricant and Milky's Nursing Support Products, Fairhaven supports your entire journey into parenthood and beyond. After you make a purchase, Fairhaven Health offers full access to its knowledgeable and friendly in-house customer service team who are always happy to assist. Check out their wide variety of products at fairhavenhealth.com or by using the link in the description of this episode. And don't forget, they're offering all of us 10% off using the code LAM, L-A-M, at checkout. And thank you for supporting the sponsors that support our show. Now let's get back to it. I will say this to people. I've prayed with people throughout the years. I don't know how you do that. I don't think I could ever lose a child. I don't think I could ever face that. And then when you're faced with the very thing that you don't think you can face, you have absolutely no choice but to face it and to walk in it and to accept it. And that's what I did. And that's where I found myself. And it was a bunch of highs, a bunch of lows, a bunch of really, really low lows. But in the end, um, I'm okay. You know, I'm, I'm here. We're embarking on our fourth or fifth Christmas, fourth Christmas without her. Um, it's been hard to say the least. It's not been really, it's not been easy, but it's been doable. And God has been faithful. 
And I look back over my grief and I talk to other women who've experienced uh, grief and who's experienced loss. And, you know, we can all relate that, that the pain is definitely real. It's definitely real. The grief of it all is real. And, and there's no formula on how you get through it. I wrote a book actually somewhere within those few years let me backtrack so Bailey passed away June 26 2015 um June 26 2015 August 26 August 24th I remember getting up that morning and during this time I was hardly eating I didn't have an appetite like my appetite was in heaven like with my girl like I didn't have a drive to do anything I had stopped praying. I had come to the conclusion that, okay, Lord, you're going to do things the way you want to do them anyway. So why do I need to pray? So just imagine where my mind frame was. It was not in a good place. But I remember getting tired of being in that place and being in those moments. And I remember just one day, um, my husband was taking my children to my mom's house. And this had become a regular thing. I would just send them away with my mom for the weekend just so that I can like sit in the house and dwell on what happened that day or just dwell on my life. Because as I said, during this time, my marriage was falling apart. And I remember going to the bathroom. I, I couldn't even make it to the bathroom before dropping to my knees. And I just cried and cried and cried and in that moment I felt bad I felt sorry like I felt repentant like Lord I'm sorry for not trusting you I've trusted you with everything good that has ever happened in my life and I've trusted you even with the bad things but this thing is hard for me to trust you with because this is eternal. This is forever. And this is something that's, that can't be reversed. This can't be given back to me. So I'm sorry. I'm sorry that it's hard for me to trust you, but I don't. And I remember saying, Lord, but if you would make good of this, if you would turn this around, if you would give me some type of purpose in this, because I know your word. And it says, for we know all things work together for good of those who love you to those who are called according to your purpose. And I know that all things work together for good. And I don't know how this is going to work together for good. But if you will give me a plan, if you will give me a sign, and if you will strengthen me enough to do it. Because see, God can give you a plan after loss. And he can give you uh, and show you glimpses of where he's taking you. But if you don't have the strength to do it and if you don't have the courage and the trust to trust him with the death and to trust him with your pain and to trust him with your future those are three things simultaneously that you are asking God to trust to trust to, that you are giving over to God and surrender and a lot of times where we get stuck at is that we give him our past and we give him a little bit of our trust but we don't wholly trust him with death and so in those moments I remember praying and when I I stood up I knew that he wanted me to start a, a Facebook page and in my mind I was thinking like I don't know what this is gonna look like but I'm gonna just go with it and so two days later I started Bailey's Dash we came up with Bailey's Dash because 
um, my pastor always preached about the dash in between our our birth and then the dash in between our death. And that dash is the representation of the life we lived. And whenever you go to a cemetery, you always see that dash in between the, the two. And, and though that dash is small, it speaks in volumes because that is the space that God has allotted you on your life has allotted you in life and Bailey's dash was only four months and two days but though her quality her, her the quantity of her life seemed short the quality of it was well lived out because she brought family members back together um my, my, my husband and his family his, a few of his siblings hadn't spoke in years they were at our house hugging saying I'm sorry it was just a lot that God allowed to be restored through her death but nonetheless I started Bailey's Dash um and then I also posted a flipgram on Facebook and within three weeks that flipgram had over two million views and Bailey's Dash had over 15,000 likes, subscribers, people who had subscribed to this story. And I began to write. I just began to write. I just would say how my day was going and I would end it with the hope that I was leaning on. And all the time I didn't feel that hope, but it was present with me. And because it was present with me, I was able to write about it in, in a transparent way that reached people. And I remember thinking like, wow, I am receiving messages from people from Canada, from Africa, from the Bahamas, from all these different countries. The Lord was look, using little old me, like I didn't all the time get my grammar correct. Like I know I had grammatical errors out the wazoo, but I just wrote what I felt and I didn't worry about the, 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 the glam and the glip, the, the, the branding of it. It was none of that. It was just pure. And it it was fruitful. And so when I began to see the fruit in that, I noticed that when I poured into others, that healed me. And the Bible speaks on when you water others, you're watering yourself. And I understood that scripture day by day because I would pick up the phone or I would travel. People would book me to come speak at their um, grief conferences, or I would go to churches and speak, share my testimony. And each time I would gain some kind of strength that was supernatural. And though I was grieving, and though I didn't understand the why behind all of the, my circumstances, I understood the who, and I just said that, like, I understood the who was still in control. And that was my greatest asset to my healing in my grief was first trusting that God was present with me and with her in that faithful, in that night. He was, he was, he was there and he was present. And, and though we look at it as if the enemy stole something from, I knew that he did it because he's not more powerful than God. And when I accepted that, I, I it, it, it brought a, a sigh of relief to my heart. And then when I began to understand that, okay, Lord, before you gave her to me, you had already lined her days out. And that goes for miscarriage. That goes for um, stillbirths. Before a, an infant is even formed in your womb, God already knows the outcome. And though the outcome in a lot of ways hurts, when it, when it 
entails you losing or having to um, give something back that you knew was a blessing that you knew would add to your life, there's also something far greater that God is doing in the midst of that. And I would never know God. I grew up in church. Like I say this whole time, like I grew up in church. Like I could tell you this and that and this and that about scripture. But when I tell you, when I was knee deep in my grief from losing my daughter, impending divorce, all simultaneously, I'm walking through this, having to eat, care these are minor things that we, we we do naturally care for my children still work still encourage other people still go about my day like when you are knee deep in the trenches of life and you are overwhelmed and you feel this deal you are being drowned out i come to know truly who god was in those moments it was never in the good times it was never when I, when, when I was living and traveling the country and on cruises and enjoying my life, those moments were good and it had its place. But in retrospect, I come to know who God truly was in my pain because I knew that if I was ever going to get through this, it would take a mighty and powerful God that was true, whose word was true, and who was faithful to deliver me. And he did. So I would say, um, what helped me in my grief is, again, first trusting that he was in charge that day and that he, he wasn't asleep. You know, he knew what would happen. Two, accepting. Accepting that death isn't this thing that happened to you. Like, this death isn't this thing that is supposed to paralyze us and get and keep us stuck. And it is something that we all must endure. It's something that we all, a man born of woman, is going it's, it's, it's a few days and full of trouble, but also we all have a date where we have to leave here. And, and though some days are shorter than others, it's not as if this thing that is happening, God is picking on you and he's choosing, like, you no, I'm going to take your child. I mean, no, like, it was already pre, pre-planned. And I don't know how to fully explain it, but I accepted it. And upon accepting it, it made my grief a lot easier because I understood that, you know, Lord, you wasn't just trying to put me through something, put me through this this trial to punish me. It wasn't any of that. It was simply your will being accomplished in heaven. And though I didn't understand it, you were still in charge. And the third thing I would say that helped me get through my grief was just helping others. When you don't speak, when you choose to bury your grief, when you choose to pretend like it never happened, when you choose to not talk about the very thing that you know you want it more than anything. I talk to women who are, who are struggling with infertility and instead of saying, pray for me, pray that God bless me, they suppress it. They don't talk about it. And instead of, instead of using that trial and using that thing that you know you desire more than anything to say, this is what I want, this is what I desire, instead of saying it, 
many people suppress it because they're embarrassed and they feel like, well, there's something wrong with my body because I see all these other women having children and I see all these other women on the first night, on the first try, they're able to conceive. And then I see other women who are aborting their children or other women who have children who are harming them into the point of death. But here I am, Lord, crying and begging you for a child and yet I don't have one. They take on that guilt. And it's a trick of Satan because if he can get you not to talk about the thing that you desire, he keeps you trapped in an imprisonment of your own mind and he keeps you trapped in a place. He keeps you trapped in a place of, of, of as I said, guilt and, and bondage and, and fear. And that fear is rooted in what if it never happens for me? And that's not a fear that you are to bear because, you know, as I said, throughout this entire, throughout my entire life, I'm 35 years now, throughout my entire life, even though I don't understand every aspect of it, I know that there was good that came out of every trial, out of everything that I've ever endured. There was some good that came out of it. And that is how I'm able to get through. That's how I'm able to keep moving forward and to keep trusting God and everything because there's always some good. When you surrendered your life wholly to Christ, there's good. And, and you may not be able to see the good in the chaos because chaos blinds you and it, it covers what is good. But there's always some good when you keep walking. And if I can leave the listeners with that, if I can leave you guys with that, it would be to trust that even in loss, even in, in anything that you experience, if you choose to trust God and if you choose to accept where you are this season and the circumstances that he allowed, I promise you, you will see things turn around in your life emotionally, mentally, physically spiritually all of those things they will turn around they will turn around and there's always purpose in your pain when you choose to be better to choose to just be better instead of bitter over what you walk through that's my story wow that was literally incredible like I have pages and pages of notes. <laughs> like that was, no, that was so good. I didn't know it was that long. I was like, let me stop because. <laughs> no, it was amazing. Like your, your story is absolutely incredible. And I want to thank you so much for sharing it. I always ask at the end of every episode and I honestly don't even feel like I have to ask you because I feel like you've already done this, but if you had one, like one very strong piece of advice for somebody in a similar situation, what would it be? It would be to take all of the, take all of the, the pieces to the puzzle right? Like I, I see our life as being this big, huge puzzle piece. And if you can just write out some things and say, okay, Lord, this is what I want. This is what I'm praying for. This is what I've been through. What can you do with me in this situation to help others? You will find your purpose. And, and sometimes when you, most times when you find purpose in, 
in your your hard time the thing that you're you're praying for the thing that you're hurting about seemingly goes to the on the back burner and then it's like that's when it happened that's when things so let me not go back into like talking i'll just say this <laughs> just 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 to trust the process of life just trust it just trust the god and trust that god is in control over every circumstance it's both good and both bad just trust mm-hmm. trust yeah. your the way you talk about purpose reminds me a lot of um kind of like when i was going through my miscarriages and i would talk about it i always said you know pain does not equal purpose but purpose is to live with ease purpose is to find the good in everyone in every situation yes. and purpose is found through surrendering Yes. when things are not in your control yes um, yeah pain doesn't drive the purpose but finding love and gratefulness even during the that's pain really, does mm-hmm. yes that's really really good you don't so do you have children now I have yeah so I have my son Ryan he's 10 months old and I'm actually 10 weeks pregnant right now oh wow okay yes so but I've had four consecutive miscarriages before Ryan wow um so yeah I mean it, Everyone's story is so different, but we all kind of go through those same mental struggles throughout it, you know? Yes. Um, and it's, it's so important to just kind of trust, trust the process as hard as that is. Yes. Yes. And so. you know what? You probably wouldn't be doing what you're doing today. Yeah, you know? exactly. Oh, I totally wouldn't. You yeah. wouldn't. Yeah, you wouldn't. And you don't, you don't realize, you know, just how just you you just it's it's always in retrospect you know when you when you're able to look back and someday you'll be 50 you'll be 60 and you will have been reached so many other um women and other families and as i always say the 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 the, the, the you may not have experienced actually giving birth to your children but they're very much a part of your life and your journey they're very much a part Mm-hmm. and you'll 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 see that you'll see that you'll see it so yeah yeah well thank you so much for jumping on sharing your story um where because you said you wrote a book right yes yes where can I'm we sorry. find that that is on amazon and the name of the book is love remains grief from life grief from loss okay awesome. so i will go ahead and I'm going to link that in the description of this episode. And then if somebody wants to reach out to you, where could they do so? The handles would be for grief, Bailey's dash. I really don't post a whole lot on there anymore, but um, they can find me at Bailey's dash at gmail.com for personal messages for uh, my, my handles. Again, it's Bailey's dash. Bailey's underscore dash. Also, I'm beginning a new journey, uh, Oath of Nicole. I'm starting a podcast myself, um, just speaking on healing and just finding um, spaces for women who've been through divorce and different things like that. So yes, BettyNicole.com and Bailey's dash. Okay. Awesome. And Bailey's dash. Um, so I'll go ahead and I'll, I'll link all the ways to contact you as well. Thank you so much for jumping no, on and no. sharing your story and also your wisdom and how you've gotten through. You have so many takeaways in your story and I really appreciate that. No problem. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you. Yes. We'll chat soon. Yes. Sounds good. <laughs>
Thank you so much for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, make sure you share it with a friend who could find it useful or share it on your Instagram stories. Tag myself, tag my guest so that we can personally thank you. This is a lamb fam, you guys. We're not in this alone. We're creating this ripple effect together.